0: What in barnacles is it? A journey into self-awareness. The power within. 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 within. (laughs) The Power Within. The Power Within. The Power Within. The Power Within. The within. within. The The Power Within! Yeah! Cue the intro! board to I'm ready. A SpongePod SquareCast, the only podcast that's going to fully accept the Flying Dutchman when he's down and out. I'm your host Captain Eric and it's a pleasure to have you here as we continue our sale through the fourth season of SpongeBob SquarePants. Today's episode is Ghost Host and it is the second half of the 70th episode of SpongeBob SquarePants and it first premiered on May 5th, 2006. Our storyboard directors for this episode Our Zeus, Service, and Eric Weiss, who wrote this episode alongside Tim Hill. Our animation director is Alan Smart. Our technical director is Vincent Waller. And our supervising producer is Paul Tibbet. Yes! This past Friday the 13th... (coughs) Whoa. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I don't live near a lake or space or anywhere near Manhattan, so back off! All right. Hopefully that keeps him away. Oh yeah, so this past Friday the 13th was the premiere of the highly anticipated Spongebob crossover event, The Title Zone. Of course, a play on The Twilight Zone, bringing some sort of science fiction element to the world of Spongebob Squarepants. This special was originally set to premiere last fall. I forgot the original date that they had set, but at some point within a week or two before its premiere, the rug was pulled right from under the title zone and in its place, Sponge on the Run, making its TV premiere, was put into place with almost no news as far as what was going to happen to this special. It premiered on Friday the 13th, and I unfortunately have not watched the special in full, but from some of the clips I've seen of each of the three segments of the special, there seemed to be some enjoyment to be had on that evening. So if you enjoyed the title zone, Please let me know in the comments below. Did you have a favorite segment? Of course, we had the Patrick Starr Show with their episode Shrinking Stars, the SpongeBob SquarePants episode, Welcome to Binary Bottom, and then the Camp Coral episode, The Switch Glitch. The Binary Bottom episode had a clip that was released after the special that featured a character I didn't even think of when this episode was first talked about months ago, when they mentioned they were going to be remaking the entire world of Bikini bottom into robots. I didn't think of the possibility of showing off Plankton and Karen with Karen of course now being a fish in a world of all robots. That alone seems to be well worth its, its value in watching it. So if you enjoyed the title zone, I hope it was a good time. If you didn't enjoy the special, do you have any reasons as to why? Find this video on YouTube and let me know in the comments below what you thought about the title zone. But since we're sticking with the spooky of Friday the 13th into this episode, all dealing with ghosts, it felt appropriate to talk about this past Friday. I hope it was not much of an unlucky day for you. I hope you got through it in one piece. But for today's episode, Ghost Host, this has to be a love letter of some sorts to the horror genre. In in some respects. It doesn't even have to be just the movies. It could be books. But it feels like the story of Spongebob in this episode seems to be that of someone who becomes so desensitized over time, over these scares, these frights, that they do nothing to him. He becomes blank to any sort of possible fright that's in front of him. He then tries to help take these frights and bring them to other people. In the feeling, when you're a young kid and you're getting into horror... It can be frightening sometimes. There's that curiosity aspect of the unknown that just you need to go after it, even if you're you're scared. There's there's some fun to be had when you're scared, and then you overcome it. You you find you enjoy what you're reading, what you're watching, and then eventually you're not going to become scared of that stuff again. But it becomes fun introducing those movies, those books to friends, to younger audiences when you have a younger brother like myself who has a big age gap, when he's of age to start watching scary movies, it becomes a fun endeavor all over again to go let's go through this gauntlet of movies and see if you like them and see if you don't, and my brother luckily fell in love with horror as much as I did. I've talked about this on the podcast before, but when I was younger, around five or six years old, I I spent a lot of time at my grandmother's house after school and on weekends due to my, my mother's work schedule and my aunt who, just due to medical reasons, was also staying with my grandmother, happened to have a massive VHS library of movies that she taped off of premium channels, HBO, Cinemax, stars And on every tape, there were two movies, and she would have the custom labels, and then she would write on them what the movies were. And there were plenty of times that I had unmitigated access to these movies. And, of course, with... The kind of time I had in the 90s where there wasn't the distraction of the internet, I was watching a lot of movies that I probably shouldn't have been watching at my age. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, it was either that or The Fly as my very first horror movie, and we've already talked about The Fly on this season plenty uh, plenty enough, but uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, certainly not a movie that I would recommend anybody show a young child, but... For someone like me, who is already into cartoons as much as I was, when you watch a movie like Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, and just to give you a little bit of the TLDR of Nightmare on Elm Street, it's the movie series that features Freddy Krueger, who, in his own right, is an extremely frightening-looking character, but by the time they got to Part 4 in this series, they were starting to turn up the goofiness level a little bit, so it wasn't as much of Freddy being just terrifying to his victims he was also comedically taking them down in a way that was so over the top it felt like you were watching a live action cartoon except what was happening to these characters was a, a little bit more than what you would expect i think if you were watching tom and jerry and then went over to nightmare on elm street you were you were then within that range of oh violence Cartoonish levels of violence, that just opened my mind to so many other possibilities. Whenever I went into the local blockbuster, going down that horror aisle was a treat. It was a frightening treat because there was guaranteed going to be at least a few covers in that aisle that were going to make me squeamish, but I was almost looking for that. It's weird. I didn't want to watch some of those movies. I was genuinely terrified But at the same time, that curiosity of seeing a cover show something like, what is going on in that movie? I've seen what can happen on A Nightmare on Elm Street, but what can happen in this one? And when your mind is already into the horror genre and you're diving into it, there's going to come a day at some point where that feeling of uneasiness is not going to be there anymore. You're going to just enjoy what you're watching, you're going to enjoy what you're reading, and you're going to want more of it, but you're not going to feel frightened of it anymore if you ever felt that in the first place. SpongeBob in this episode goes through a bit of a roller coaster when it comes to his frights, and it's not even really a SpongeBob episode, even though we've been talking about him and, and his little roller coaster in this episode. This episode, of course, being about ghosts, is following our favorite ghost of Bikini Bottom. The Flying Dutchman. I am the Flying Dutchman! Undoubtedly, one of my favorite characters in SpongeBob SquarePants in its entirety is that of the Flying Dutchman. And I'm talking main character, side character, one-off, regardless. He's in my top five favorites of this show. And it has a lot to do with his voice actor, Brian Doyle Murray, who you may recognize from such projects, such as uh, Groundhog Day, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and Wayne's World. But you would also recognize his voice from such shows, such as The Buzz on Maggie, My Gym Partner's a Monkey, Family Guy, and The Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack, where he played Captain Knuckles, one of my other favorite cartoon characters. And I imagine he must have received that role due to his portrayal of the Flying Dutchman over the years, who up to this point, I don't think has had a bad episode or a bad appearance under his belt, under his ghostly belt. How do you keep your pants up when you're performing? It's incredible. Belt. This episode starts out with the Flying Dutchman flying in his ship, which usually has some sort of ghostly fog surrounding it, wherever it goes. For some reason on this night, the ghostly fog is in abundance. There's so much of it, the Flying Dutchman can't properly steer his ship, which is a hilarious predicament to find yourself in. The the fog that you're creating is too much to then be able to see through. I don't even know if it's his own fog, but everything that we're seeing in the sky is this greenish cloud that is blocking his view, so it's not like it's a normally foggy night for everybody else. It just seems to be an issue for the Flying Dutchman. What is comedic about his pirate ship to me is that even though it's a ghost ship, it still is able to be physically damaged by people, by the outside world. We have seen it in Shanghai, of course, when SpongeBob and Patrick are trying to park this ship and going through all those uh all those mountains. He Captain, we'll buff out those scratches. So we have seen this ship receive damage before from the outside environment, and it's hilarious to me. Why is there a ghost pirate ship that is then able to be damaged and then repaired? There's some sort of extra layer here. We're not being told of this world. I'm okay with it because it's the layer of the unknown, and we'll get into that later. But the the ship that he's flying here, it's, it's covered in fog, runs it into a mountain, causing the ship to to destroy, sending the Flying Dutchman careening to the ground, which is another hilarious moment in this episode. Here's this ghost who can do anything he wants in a moment's notice, and he's falling. He's falling to the ground, slamming the ground, and then the ship completely destroys around him with this rubble of wood before it turns into some sort of ghostly dust. And as the Flying Dutchman looks upon his pile of dust that used to be a ship, he pulls out a cell phone, another little hilarious moment, and calls up what I imagine is the undersea equivalent of AAA, or some sort of ghostly shipwright that is going to come out and repair this ship. I have no idea how you repair a ghost ship, but it sounds like we're missing out on an interesting story there. How in the halibut do you repair a ghost ship? I guess in the way that the ship is destroyed by the environments, it's just rebuildable. But then how does it get its flying abilities? If a normal shipwright comes in and repairs that ship, does it automatically float up? Is there something else that you have to add on to it? There's too many questions here of this situation, I get it, and it's time for us to move on. Whoever is on the phone, whoever the AAA service is, seems to have asked the Flying Dutchman where he's going to be staying during this repair. Is it going to be a business or a residence? And as it turns out, the Flying Dutchman crashed his ship very much near Conch Street, and he notices SpongeBob SquarePants heading home into his pineapple before telling the operator he'll be staying at a residence. Residence! This is where the first part of our story takes place. The Flying Dutchman needing to stay with Spongebob for a little bit, and deciding, you know what, I'm just going to spend all my time scaring this guy at every single corner that he turns. Every single moment's notice is going to be me scaring Spongebob. After this first one, Spongebob immediately runs out of the pineapple, heads over to Squidward's house, punches his door and eventually his face to making Squidward look like a Xenobite from the Hellraiser series, which that was another moment that made me feel that those working behind this episode have to be fans of horror. How are you going to design Squidward like that, and you're going to tell me that it's not meant to, to be a xenobite design of some sort? There's just no way. I'm not going to explain Hellraiser on this podcast, maybe down the road, but if you know, you know. Uh, Squidward tells SpongeBob that he doesn't believe in ghosts Even though Spongebob is there freaking out, there's a ghost in my house, the Flying Dutchman, Squidward is not having any of it. Get out of here. Move on with your day. How is Squidward at this point in his life where he doesn't believe in ghosts? Surely, he remembers two previous times that he has encountered the Flying Dutchman. The first one in Season 1, in Scaredy Pants, and then, of course, with the aforementioned Shanghai episode. My theory on this entire matter is that within Scaredy Pants, I imagine Squidward may have just thought that the Flying Dutchman appearing at the party had something to do with the party itself. Mr. Krabs has a decent amount of money. Here's a Halloween party. Here's this massive Halloween projection of the Flying Dutchman, even though everybody ran that night in terror. Squidward, who knows where his thought process may have been after that. Ah, that was fake. Get that out of here. When it comes to the episode of Shanghai, it is possible in terms of timeline circumstances that this episode, Ghost Host, takes place before that of Shanghai. The Spongebob timeline is certainly not one that most episodes have to have a concrete place in it, but there are significant episodes that place themselves on a timeline of sorts, so it is possible that this episode took place before Shanghai to explain Squidward's stance here, but even as Spongebob Heads over to Patrick's house. The second that Patrick even hears that there's a ghost involved, he just shuts his rock. He goes right back to bed. He wants nothing to do with ghosts, and SpongeBob is stuck with his new roommate. And they were roommates. Oh my god, they were roommates. Let's talk about ghosts for a second. It is certainly a hot-button topic that can be had. There are those out there who firmly believe in their existence. There are those out there who do not believe in their existence, like Squidward, And there are those out there in this third category who will say to your face they don't believe in ghosts, but then the second you want to have a conversation about them, they will walk away. And in that regard, it's not that those people don't believe in ghosts, it's a feeling that they don't want them to be real. It's that fear of the unknown. There are those out there who simply do not believe in the paranormal, but will have a conversation about it with no issue, and there are those out there who simply do not want to even be in the vicinity if you are talking about ghosts. It can certainly be a creepy topic to be had. As far as where the captain sits on this topic, I will tell you that for a lot of things, I try to to be in the middle, I like to look at both sides, but when it comes to the paranormal, and, and specifically what is going on in that realm i don't want to specifically say ghosts because there's just there's a lot of thoughts that people have when you say ghost and what that means but in terms of whatever is happening in the world i do believe there is something that we don't know but i am not of any sort of confidence to tell you what it is or what you're looking at i'm not even someone who believes in everything i see i'm in this weird little pocket of ghost belief where I believe they exist and yet at the same time I don't want them to exist. I have an innate fear of the paranormal along with an innate curiosity over it. It's a terrible place to be because you're constantly putting yourself in terrifying positions watching things but there's that level of curiosity. Is this fake? Is this real? I need to look into it. And even if you disprove every single video online that's been uploaded as evidence of the paranormal. You can still find CCTV footage of some unexplained activity. Uh, CCTV is closed circuit television. Usually that's the kind of security systems you have within department stores, in other locations. There's a closed circuit. There's no outside force that can have access to those cameras. There's also footage from police body cameras during investigations of some weird, unexplained phenomenon, that then those videos are used in the trial. So there's no heavy editing on that footage. There's not a person purposely throwing in ghost activity for any sort of reason. It's not like it's one of those TV shows of ghost hunting. I used to actually watch Ghost Hunters when it was on sci fi. And that show I trusted more than anything else because there were many episodes. Where they not only didn't find ghost activity, but they also were able to find some sort of reason as to why the people in this location would feel like there's ghosts or there's something going on. They would hear the, the stories as to what's happening in the location. It could be a, a knocking in some room. There could be some piece of furniture that falls over in another room. And over their investigation, they may find some sort of evidence to point to something else Going on inside that house, inside that business that would be creating whatever phenomenon is making people believe there's ghosts. It could be leaky pipes. It could be pipes that are banging up against the walls. It could have a gas leak somewhere in the home. There could be a multitude of different reasons. There were plenty of episodes where the hunters wouldn't find any ghosts. And then they would just find this other stuff, which would then make the episodes where they do find some sort of activity a little bit more exciting. And I trusted them a little bit more with their investigations than I did any other ghost hunting team on television because these other shows were laughably bad. Every single episode, no matter where they were, they would find some sort of irrefutable evidence of these ghosts almost personally attacking them. What? What was that name it said? Uh, It said Carl? That's my uncle's best friend! Oh my god, this ghost is calling me out! It was like every episode there would be some sort of laughably bad ghost experience that, even as someone who believes in a way, I would laugh at that. But then Ghost Hunters would have something that I guess would be a little bit more believable. But as I grew up, I accepted the idea that at the end of the day, these TV shows are made for entertainment, and you can't 100% trust every single quote-unquote reality show if it's made for entertainment purposes. You can't really Believe everything you're being told Even if it's happening right in front of you How many reality show stars have come out and said All of these segments in this episode were all fake All of these things were put together We filmed a bunch of episodes in one day To make it seem like we were doing more things It's all fake And honestly, the only show that I can think of That has anything to do with reality That is also as honest as possible Is that of Jackass Can you think of any other reality-based show that is as honest to you, the viewer, as Jackass is. I, I can't think of another one. Back at the Pineapple, Spongebob is finally coming to terms with the idea of the Flying Dutchman living with him. The Dutchman, though, is only concerned about spooking Spongebob. He only cares about scaring him, scaring people... ...is the only thing that brings joy to the Flying Dutchman. It brings laughter to a dead soul. And SpongeBob, you can see his face the second the Dutchman is starting to laugh about successfully scaring him. SpongeBob smiles. He loves seeing other people happy, even if it's at the expense of himself. And with that knowledge, I have no doubt that SpongeBob SquarePants would make an excellent member to the Jackass crew... But he's okay with the Flying Dutchman in those moments of laughter. After the scare, when he sees the Dutchman enjoying himself, he joins in on it. He, of course, doesn't like being freaked out. But the first, I'd say, third of this episode is all about the Flying Dutchman and his relentless scaring onto SpongeBob. We have some sort of Monster House kind of appearance here of the Pineapple. SpongeBob gaining tentacles Monsters popping out of the refrigerator, popping into mirrors. Every little trick that the Flying Dutchman has at his disposal of scaring, he is throwing onto SpongeBob SquarePants, who, in very short time, becomes, as I mentioned, desensitized to the Dutchman's antics. He starts not only not being scared of these situations, he is almost aggressively bored at these antics happening. Very soon after the Dutchman moving in, Spongebob is almost giving him a stonewall look of some of these tactics happening, clowns and spiders and snakes and all this stuff. Eventually, the Dutchman is unable to scare Spongebob, and for some reason, him not being able to scare this one guy sends the Dutchman into a bit of a depression. Now, Spongebob just tells him, hey, you need to start scaring other people for yourself, get out there, and after two unsuccessful scares at a mattress store of someone sleeping and then a kid with a jump rope, the Dutchman decides he's lost his mojo and he just needs a place to crash for a while so he can get back up on his feet. And since he was already staying in Spongebob's Pineapple, well, why don't you let the Flying Dutchman stay on your couch for a little bit longer, just until he feels like himself again? That turns into six months later where we get a look into Spongebob's Pineapple, now completely destroyed by partying ghosts who are driving around the pineapple on motorcycles, and we get this fat, disgusting-looking bum of a flying Dutchman who is putting on his best Oscar Kokoshka during this house party that is going on, or these extra ghosts that are hanging around. He's also trying to pick up a new woman in his life, Incidental 7. I have... No idea why this woman is partying with ghosts or why she is even having this conversation with the Flying Dutchman. How did you get into this party? How did you get into the situation where the Flying Dutchman is trying to pick you up and you have to call him out on his wedding band that he's wearing? It's probably my favorite moment in this entire episode. This whole sequence is my favorite Brian Doyle Murray Flying Dutchman moment of the series. When the Flying Dutchman... Is completely down and out, out of his luck, just a bum on Spongebob's couch, this is just hilarious to me. Of all the characters to find themselves on Spongebob's couch, the Flying Dutchman is certainly the funniest. Spongebob comes home, reminding me of that episode of Ren and Stimpy when, uh, uh, Sven Hoek, when Sven and Stimpy are at home destroying the house and Ren comes home to just see this destruction. I don't imagine Spongebob getting to the same levels of Ren Hoek in that episode of, of, uh, threatening. But Spongebob has dealt with a freeloader in the past, so it's not like he hasn't had the experience in dealing with somebody who is off of their A-game. <coughs> Squidward! <clears throat> Sorry about that. He's had enough of the Flying Dutchman in his house, all this destruction going on. It's time for the Dutchman to get up off of his ghostly bottom, off of Spongebob's couch, back into the world of scaring this second third of the episode of the Dutchman really down and out, it, it's a low point for him. And you kind of have to hit rock bottom before you can rise back up to hit that that top peak again, which is what SpongeBob is hoping to do with the Dutchman. Oh, yeah. One last ditch effort to try to get the Dutchman back into his prime is SpongeBob playing a tape for him, a VHS tape that is meant to be a motivational experience to find the power Within the power within the power within the power within, and that, my friends, is where the Dutchman finds the power within. This whole little motivational tape sequence is one of the most out there sequences up to this point in SpongeBob SquarePants history. They were really pushing the envelope in terms of of some of the visuals of the Flying Dutchman in this episode, and then when you look at the abstract nature of this tape, it feels a little bit out of left field for SpongeBob SquarePants, but it shouldn't. It really shouldn't. And in terms of what goes on in this motivational tape, I can't think of any specifically that I can point you to, but in history there have been a motivational tape here or there using someone who is soft-spoken, over music, and then giving some sort of abstract visual on top of their speaking. It has happened before. It's certainly not a a weird phenomenon that existed in this episode. But with the power within, the Flying Dutchman is able to feel a little bit like his old self. All thanks to SpongeBob and this incredibly weird motivational (laughs) tape. The power within! Yeah! Before the tape though, at some point during the party, I wanted to mention this, but one of the other ghosts at the party is riding around on a motorcycle and rides it straight through Spongebob's wall. Of course, the ghost goes right through the wall, but the motorcycle breaks apart in all these pieces. Spongebob sees this, grabs his eyes, and his eyeballs bulge out for a second as he's viewing this carnage that's about to happen. His eyeballs show all these veins on them. And I believe this has to be a subtle reference to the character of Ratfink. For those that don't know, Ratfink is a cartoon mouse, a grotesquely designed and on purposely grotesquely designed cartoon mouse that was designed by legendary biker Ed Roth, Ed Big Daddy Roth, who was an artist, cartoonist, and created this character for the entire hot rod motorcycle community. If you've seen Rat Fink once, then I'll guarantee that you've seen that kind of design carried over in so many different properties out there in the world. Anything that's referencing biker culture or hot rod culture, anything associated with Rat Fink or trying to look like that. It's all coming back to this character that was created all the way back in 1963. So, I could be wrong, but the fact that a motorcycle drives by Spongebob and his eyes bulge out of his head exactly like Rat Fink's has to be a nod to that. I'm going to call that from Captain Eric. I don't know if that's a a mention that anyone else has made out there about this episode, but I'm going to make that claim right now. It's probably a Ratfink reference. (laughs) In this third part of the episode, it is now Spongebob trying to get the Flying Dutchman back into the swing of things to get him to that ghostly presence where anybody mentioning the name of the Flying Dutchman sends shivers down their spines throughout all the seven seas. He's trying to get the Dutchman back to that level, and it's admirable. There's really some adorable moments of SpongeBob and the Flying Dutchman in this episode that I absolutely love. There are moments of when SpongeBob is flying with the Flying Dutchman on his back it's very quick, but just to see these two characters in this moment both smiling, having fun in some way, it's enjoyable to watch. You you get this enjoyment with them. And after seeing all of the different body transformations of the Flying Dutchman and of SpongeBob in both fear and in their scaring, it's nice to just see these little quiet moments of them two with each other where there's nothing crazy going on. It, it lets you appreciate it a little bit more with all this zaniness happening in the episode. The first victim on this new scare front of the Flying Dutchman is for some reason a blind older woman who is also listening to headphones. She thinks the Flying Dutchman is somebody she knows. It's unsuccessful. I have no idea why he wouldn't assess this situation and try something different. But their next victim is an even worse candidate for a scare choice. Larry the Lobster when he's at the gym. Now, I can tell you from going to the gym over the last couple of months that there are people in the gym that you very clearly do not want to bother for any reason whatsoever. You shouldn't bother anyone at a gym. Let them do their workout. But there may be times where you just have to ask a question if they're using a piece of equipment, so on and so forth. But there are people within that realm, within that gym world, that very clearly you can see from the other side of the room, is in a mode, is in a workout that you just can't, you can't stop. You can't bother them. You don't want to approach them. Let them get their workout over with and talk to them afterwards. Larry the Lobster feels like that kind of guy that when he goes into the gym, his attention and focus is 110% on his workout. There is no scaring or bothering the guy when he's in that A game. I feel like... It was a poor choice for the Flying Dutchman to try to go after Larry the Lobster of all places at the gym. I'm not sure if going after Larry outside of the gym would still be a smart choice, but I think your chances of scaring him go up a lot more if you're scaring him outside of a gym than trying to scare him inside of the gym. Or if he really wanted to scare Larry, he should have brought some of that personalized terror that he brought to Squidward later in this episode to Larry here. I'm sure you could freak Larry out in that mirror where he's looking at himself. Imagine the Flying Dutchman using his powers to give the appearance of Larry as a really skinny lobster. Because what's going to terrify Larry the most out of anything in this world? It's losing his muscles. So there was an opportunity and a way to scare this character, but it wasn't done in the the right way possible. After this failure, it's SpongeBob's time to give the Flying Dutchman the right path, the right movement to get him into this place that he needs to feel he's got to get at, this, this terrifying presence. And it's involving Squidward, as I had already mentioned. Earlier in this episode, Squidward had made the proclamation that he doesn't believe in ghosts. And it's for this that I think gives the Flying Dutchman the most exciting opportunity. It's one thing to scare somebody who is already terrified of ghosts, but I think if you go after someone who is telling people that they don't believe in ghosts, that's got to feel like an extra badge of honor if you are able to freak them out. You know, getting someone who is going to tell you you're not going to be able to do this has to feel like the biggest high for him. So, of course, going after Squidward, going after someone who is a self-proclaimed non-believer, is going to be one of those first steps in getting the Flying Dutchman back into the swing of things. But on top of that, SpongeBob knowing Squidward is then able to feed some information to the Dutchman on how to perfectly freak this guy out. And it's one of my favorite sequences of this entire episode. Squidward's about to go to bed before all of that ghostly fog that we mentioned from the beginning of this episode covers his ceiling before... The shot of his mother, a giant ghostly apparition of his mother comes through the ceiling, berating Squidward for not calling her. Guilt-tripping Squidward into not calling his mom, which, since we're on the subject, if you have the ability to call your mother at the end of this podcast, just give her a call and say hi, I love you, and if she happens to ask why you're calling, you could just say, no reason, didn't need one, or just tell her that Captain Eric told you. Tell her that the captain sent you to call your mom. If you're in the ability to do so, just do it. It'll take 30 seconds or so, and it'll make her day. Trust me on that. Squidward's mom, in this moment, all of a sudden starts melting in front of him, very creepily, before a giant clarinet comes from the ceiling, shooting all of this music and these musical notes at Squidward before. The clarinet, it's one of my favorite sequences, and I would advise you to just watch it, but I'm going to try to explain it here. But the clarinet from the ceiling comes down into Squidward's ear holes. You don't really have ears on the character of Squidward, but wherever his ears would be, the clarinet shoots through one, coming out the other before the clarinet itself connects, making a ring. And then attached to that ring is a chain. And attached to that chain is the Flying Dutchman holding up Squidward. It's this wonderfully, beautifully animated sequence of Squidward being picked up by this chain, and then the Flying Dutchman being like, oh, you don't believe in ghosts, huh? flinging it around his head extremely fast and then tossing Squidward all the way back into his house. This one quick, like, five-second sequence is one of my favorites in this entire episode. The idea of the clarinet going through the ears reminds me of another moment from A Nightmare on Elm Street. So there's a lot of little bits in this episode that you can point to possible connections to horror movies. Those behind-the-scenes had to have been fans. I am sure of it. But Squidward gets thrown right back into his house, where one of his biggest fears is now in front of him. A massive version of Spongebob is inside of his home. And in one of the creepiest sequences in Spongebob Squarepants history up to this point, the giant Spongebob then contorts with his eyes coming out of the sockets, something you would see straight out of Beetlejuice which is one of my favorite movies of all time, and most certainly the character of Beetlejuice had to have been an inspiration to the way the Flying Dutchman was in this episode, and even in some of the ways he was scaring people, was very Beetlejuice-esque. It's showtime. Out of the eye sockets of the SpongeBob come hundreds of spiders barreling out of his eye sockets right in front of Squidward. You would think this would be the moment that would freak Squidward out the most, But then the Flying Dutchman comes in with the grand finale. The trick of all tricks, one that has been used by many a grandfather out there, scaring and freaking out their grandchildren. I'm talking about the disappearing finger trick, which sends Squidward into a level of fright that the Flying Dutchman has been looking for for this entire episode. Squidward runs right out of his house, right through that wooden door, sending him running to the hills, and the Flying Dutchman feels successful in this manner. He cannot thank SpongeBob enough for not only taking him in, but for also helping him relive his mojo, whatever he was missing for the last few months, and even admits to SpongeBob that his ship has been repaired for about three months or so, but just enjoyed staying with him. The Dutchman did leave SpongeBob with a parting gift for all of his trouble, a gift that is clearly meant To remind SpongeBob over his time with the Flying Dutchman, this gift swallows up SpongeBob whole, and we hear this monster growl inside of the box before SpongeBob just goes, Ah, Dutchie! Like, he fully expected this kind of gift and accepts it. That's the kind of friend SpongeBob is. Even if you are a freaky-looking ghost with unbelievable powers, he'll still take you in, he'll take you off of the streets, he'll give you a place to stay, and he'll even accept your creepy gifts That's the kind of friend Spongebob Squarepants is. I don't know about you, but I certainly wouldn't want a ghost staying on my couch for an extended period of time. I mean, if there was a solid end date to the ghost staying in my home, maybe I could be swayed to allow this situation to happen. But I don't think I would want to be scared at every waking moment like Spongebob was. Every day, everything I'm doing to have that ghost pop up and try to scare you, that doesn't sound appealing. Liar! I have no desire in becoming a ghost host and I'll leave that job to the gentleman inside of the Haunted Mansion. But what about you? Do you have any sort of stories dealing with the paranormal? Do you have a ghost living inside of your house? I would certainly love to hear about your experiences. So find this episode on YouTube and leave them in the comments section below or you can also watch this episode on Spotify where there's also a little comment section that goes directly to my email. But speaking of email, if you would ever like to write into the show, you can do so. SpongePodPodcast at gmail.com is the official email for the show. If you have any questions, suggestions, or comments to the captain, you can send it there. Just make sure to leave your name and where you are from in the email description so I know who to shout out on the air. If you would like to follow the captain on social media, you can do so at I'm Ready Podcast on Twitter and at Spongebob Podcast on Instagram. The easiest way to support Captain Eric is by subscribing to the YouTube channel. You can find the link in the podcast description below, or you can search up at the Captain Eric on YouTube.com. Hitting that subscribe button is the easiest way to show any sort of support for the captain. But if you would like to go the extra mile, you can click on that red bubble link in the podcast description below where you can find a bunch of different Captain Eric logos and pieces of art that you can put on a multitude of different products, including stickers, pillows, t-shirts, and even duvet covers, if you so please. As always, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate each and every one of you who tune in, week in, and week out to this show. You're a part of the Ready Crew, and you're a part of my heart. Thank you from the bottom of it. As always, please stay safe, be kind to one another, and come aboard again to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod SquareCast. Oh, yes, we would have so much in common. You like teddy bears, I like teddy bears. You like ponies, I like ponies. Is that a wedding ring? Oh, this owes nothing. <laughs> what is going on around here? Come on, SpongeBob, don't be a stick in the mud.